It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Murderer's Row of Ball Talk. Here's two-time Twins World Series champion manager Tom Kelly on the ride with Roycey. Meyer Metcalf back on the ride filling in for Roycey. We've got uh, the one and, one and only Tom Kelly. Uh, Tom, I, the first question I'll ask is one that was brought up from a caller. And uh-huh. he, he wanted you to compare Uh-oh. what we're seeing from Byron Buxton and some of the early challenges here to what you may have seen with Tory Hunter, uh, Byron Buxton and Tory Hunter. Well, that's a good question, and he's absolutely right. Uh, you can draw some comparisons. Uh, let's start with the defense because that's going to be the easy part. The uh, both very talented, gifted, speed, strong throwing arms. Tory really had a strong arm. I, he might be a little stronger than Byron. Uh, more accurate too probably uh, and both had uh, terrific speed on the basis and of course Byron is probably in a class by himself um, but Tory was very quick and could make spectacular plays they both do that and showed they can do that uh, Tory, of course with all his gold gloves uh, has proven uh, hitting wise Tory had uh some issues. Uh, he'd be the first one to tell you, recognizing the breaking ball, especially the one down and away uh, slider per se, um, curve balls down. Uh, you know, chase factor. Uh, Byron has uh, somewhat the same issues. Um, so, hitting wise, they probably were somewhat both in the same group. Tory had a go down to the minor leagues a couple times after getting a little taste here and there. Uh, Byron has done the same. Uh, uh, The good news, uh, Torrey certainly uh, came out of it and and, uh, went on to have just a terrific major league career. Uh, Byron's certainly capable of doing the same. So, uh, you know, uh, we we talked last year, especially with Patrick, about uh, Byron getting out of the woods. You know, he mm-hmm. making steps to get out of the woods and see the uh, sunlight, and uh, uh, he was starting to make terrific progress of getting out. And and uh, uh, some would think that he maybe was out, but you know, I was a little cautious about that because I like to see it proven over a couple years, not just one or a half a season or yeah. or. September to October, guys come up and do somewhat good. Well, let's see it for at least a full year, if not two, before you get all uh, jumping up and down about things. But uh, Byron is 
shown signs of getting out, uh, but uh, still has not gotten there yet. Now, whether you can uh, tie it all into uh, uh, injuries and setbacks that way, migraines, uh, that sort of thing, uh, I'm not sure, but probably has uh, something to do with it for sure. But, uh, again, uh, you know, he's got to find his way and uh, recognize the pitches a little bit better and, and uh, start going to the opposite field a little bit more. And uh, like a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys have trouble with the breaking ball, and we see that every night. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, he's so talented. Uh, uh, just, uh, well, I don't know how many years ago I was working in the minor leagues. I said, hey, hey Buck, I, I said, how about you and me trade places? <laughs> and he looked at me funny and said, TK, uh, no. <laughs> That's a good answer. Uh but uh, he's a, a wonderful individual, and he works hard, and uh, I'm sure he's going to find his way. Tom, one of the things I'm, gonna, I'm doing this week is uh, a state of the franchise, I'm calling it, and I'm uh-huh. giving every team in town a, a grade based on kind of where they are now and where they might be able to go uh-huh. if everything works out. Reavers gave the Twins uh, a C plus, I believe. A C, I'm sorry. Reavers. Reavers is pretty tough. Well, he gave, yeah, he <laughs> gave them a C. Manny gave them a C plus. C plus, I, yeah. I, I gave them a B minus. What, what grade would you give the, the Twins as a franchise right now? Um, let's see. We have some things up in the air. Now, uh, before I give you an answer, I'm, I'm going to try to explain. Uh, uh, I call it the wishing and hoping. Uh, we wish uh, uh, Buxton gets back. Uh, we're hoping that he does. Uh, we're wishing that uh, Sano can put uh, a couple of years together where he becomes an impact player and we're hoping that happens. Yep. So the more wishing and hoping you have to do, uh, that knocks uh, what you want to call your grade down a little bit. Now, a few years ago, oh, three, four years ago, uh, you know, we were wishing and hoping Perkins was going to be all right. Hughes was going to be all right. Uh, Sano was going to be play right field. You know, we had like seven things that we were wishing and hoping, and none of them worked out. So you end up losing 100 games. Um, So the less wishing and hoping you have with your 25 people on the field, uh, the better off you're going to be now. Uh, So we're wishing and hoping on, on some people and some people in the starting rotation uh, consistency wise. Uh, pitching into the game six or seven innings. Uh, I used to say seven, eight innings. Now it's six, seven innings. But, uh, uh, you know, that comes uh, infrequently. So I'm wishing and hoping we can pitch a little bit better. Um, And uh, so there's not as many wishing and hopes as they were years ago, Mm -hmm. years back, but... uh, we still have some, so to try to get up to that B group or A, uh, you know, we got to clean a few things up yet. So I think I'll fall right in there with the uh, C boys. All right. Tom Kelly is with us here on the ride with the Royce. TK, uh, Saturday night in what's kind of turned into somewhat of a lost season with the with the ball club. Saturday night was a lot of fun honoring Johan Santana entering mm-hmm. the Twins Hall of Fame. Yeah. And for me, what was cool was to be able to see you know, you, Jim Cott, some of the real greats that a, a lot of people grew up watching. And 
to be honest, the Twins do a tremendous job of putting out a great production like that. They, do. they don't miss much, I tell you that. They started with the dinner on uh, Friday night. It was just uh, terrific. Uh, the conversation, the laughing, uh, the camaraderie that gets shared is, is very special. Uh, then when they breakfast on uh, Saturday morning, uh, I think I got there eight thirty. I think I got back in the car. It was twelve fifteen. So, uh, that was terrific. Uh, the people were very enthusiastic uh, to see those Hall of Famers, and uh, and then uh, <clears throat> the big show at night. Uh, Johan was terrific. His family, uh, just wonderful people. And, uh, you know, you couldn't be happier for a guy, well-deserved, uh, uh, to say the least. Uh, but uh, just a magnificent career, especially with the Twins and, and uh, what he did with the Mets. And uh, good for him. He's still getting paid. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, it was, uh, like you said, the Twins, they don't, they don't miss much. And, uh, fortunately, the weather held up good, and, and uh, they had a nice a real nice weekend. And uh, so, I, you know, it was uh, well worth uh, the effort that they put forth and, and uh, the people, you can see the smiling faces when you're sitting down there and you're looking up and, you, you know, you look at the faces of the people and, and a lot of smiling faces. So that's always good. TK, it's Manny. I want to ask you about Johan specifically because obviously Manny, you I were... know your voice. You don't have to identify yourself. <laughs> it's hard to miss mine, right? <laughs> Unless that was for the, the public. <laughs> uh, um, your, your entourage. I appreciate you, sir. You um, so you were obviously managing the team when Johan came up and and yep. and made his debut. How did he how did he change and evolve from the the young kid that you managed early in his career to the Cy Young, the two-time Cy Young award winner a few years later? Well, you never know. Uh he was a rule 5, so we had to keep him. Okay? So he's going to take a spot on the roster and and be there all year. If you send them down, you you got a chance to lose them, correct? So we keep them, and uh, we put them in the bullpen. We started them a game or two here or there. I don't remember exactly. A long time ago for me. But uh, I know we put them out there a few times to start. And uh, he basically had uh, the two, three pitches, a uh, fastball. And he had two little different breaking balls. One was more of a slurvy slider. It's somewhere in between there, if you wanted to separate the two pitches. But uh, he had a live arm. You could see that the ball come out really well. Uh, Terry Ryan tells a story. I don't remember it, but he he swears that I told him, because uh, the next year he was going to have to go back to AAA. Okay. And uh, work on his uh, command and, and um the change-up. Now, I don't know who was responsible for telling him to improve the change-up or work on it. I don't know. I don't remember saying any of those things. I may have. I don't remember. Uh, but Terry Ryan tells a story, and he brings it up to me all the time, about how I told him, whatever you do, don't lose this fella, because he's got what it takes to be a big league pitcher. But he tells that story. I don't remember it. I might have told it about different people over the years, but I just don't remember saying that to him. But he swears I did. But uh, he, So there must have been something there that they liked to start with, and uh, he showed us enough uh, that the few times that we did put him out there, uh, the worst thing you can do is let the guy get beat up. You don't want him to get beat up and have a bad experience, especially being as young as he was. And so you want to try to ease him through the year, and, and I thought we did that. 
But, uh, you know, he took off from there. He went back down to AAA. And whether Bobby Cuellar, uh, pitching coach there, helped him, uh, I'm not sure exactly who's responsible, but uh, uh, maybe Johan uh, himself because he's the one throwing the, throwing the thing. So, uh, again, uh, he learned how to uh, move the change up two different directions, which really made him tough when he can get it to go straight down and then have the one that goes away from the right-hand hitters, uh, uh, really tough pitches, So, uh, especially when that change-up's going two different directions. So uh, you have to give him the majority of the credit. But who is responsible helping him with that? I, I tend to think it was Bobby Cuellar. Tom, as usual, thank you. You're great as always. Uh, we I'm definitely done. appreciate I your time. I have to go. Uh, Manny might have mentioned I'm going to a baseball academy up here in Vadness Heights to uh, uh, put on a coach's clinic with uh, uh, Brian Robbie from Bethel. Fantastic. Nice. And uh, Dana Kicker, I believe, is going to be there to help out with maybe some pitching uh, information for the coaches. So uh, we're looking forward to that, and uh, so we're going to head out the door. Well, tell Dana Kicker to take it easy on those 35 and over guys down in Newmarket, by the way. He likes that, doesn't he? Oh, man, he's good. He's still good, Keith, <laughs> yeah, he, TK. He still can do, he's, he's still sinking it. He, he might be putting a little something on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> better have that check. I'll, I'll ask him if he's doing anything funny. Beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, right, TK. Appreciate right, it, TK. Have a good night. There we'll he be, goes. Yeah, great stuff He's as the always. Best. We'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf back here on the ride. Oh, some stories you can tell off air that you definitely can't tell My on God, the air. Correct. Uh, but that's part of the beauty of radio. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. My goodness, there's a preseason game on Saturday. I know. Like the su- the summer's over. I know. I'm yeah. already looking at school supply list for the girls. State I'm, fairs in two state weeks. State fairs in two weeks. I, I'm already trying to figure out, you know, the stuff you got to get done at the end of summer. Yep. Wrap all that stuff up. And then preseason football is already here. It, it's amazing how quickly all of this has unfolded. I do love it, though, because to me, football signals that sports are about to get really, really fun and exciting. I think the conclusion, whatever happens in baseball in the playoff race, is going to be fabulous, although the Red Sox look unbeatable right now. I think the NBA is gearing up to be as intriguing as it's ever been with with uh, LeBron James and uh, now being with the Lakers. NHL is going to be intriguing and fascinating. And obviously the NFL is, is going to do what it always does and, and give us these captivating storylines and narratives. When I look at the Vikings against the rest of the NFC, it's fascinating because I can't remember the last time I came into a season and thought, I don't know if I can name three teams in the NFC that are better than the Minnesota Vikings. You know, it's been a long time since you could come in and say that. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles deserve to be at the top of whatever power rankings you have. That's Mm -hmm. a, a team with a lot of young talent. They won the Super Bowl with their backup quarterback. Carson Wentz is back. And if he's the guy he was before he got hurt, that dude was going to win MVP. Yeah, Yeah, he was. Like, people may not remember that. He was going to win MVP, then he gets hurt. So they get him back, and they get all these pieces that roughed up uh, a really good New England Patriots team. I mean, if you can beat a team with Brady throwing for 500 yards, (laughs) you deserve to be number one. The number two team for me in the NFC, the Los Angeles Rams. I couldn't agree Considering more. Considering yep. who they've added, Ndamukong Sue. It could go one of two ways. I think it's going to be good, but this thing has the potential to blow up, oh. too, because of the personalities involved. But I agree with you. I think they're going to be a good team. Oh, oh it, they're, they're one. 
bad night on a road trip with, with Sue and Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib from ruining the whole thing. I mean, those I, dudes might go to the wrong club. I won't forget that game they played here at U.S. Bank Steam. I mean, the Vikings defense oh. absolutely toyed with Jared Goff in that offense. People forget that. And that, to me, was like their moment of, this is real, right? That was like their this is real yep. moment. Mm-hmm. But you look at who they added. Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, Sue, Ndamukong's... Nadama yeah. Kung Su, mm-hmm. such a difficult name to pronounce, but he's a great player. And then Aaron Donald, who did this last year, held out, missed the first game of the year, and then he was the best player in football, defensive player in football, playing 15 games. And him on the defensive line playing next to Nadama Kung Su. Oh, my is goodness. going to wreak It's havoc. not fair. Yeah. That is not fair. I think they're clearly, right now, uh, number two in the NFC. The Vikings are number three, unless I'm missing something. Like, the Vikings are the number three team to me in the entire NFC. Slightly ahead of the Saints, I would say. Mm-hmm. Ahead of the Falcons. Uh, lucky they got Julio Jones back and made him happy because that could have been a problem for the Falcons. The Packers. Here's my thing on the Packers. I know they got Jimmy Graham and some other guys that they've added. The Jake Ryan injury hurts. But all of this is based on Aaron Rodgers. Like, Yep. Any positive thing that people are saying about the Green Bay Packers isn't based on their offseason moves. It's based on Aaron Rodgers being, to, to me, the best quarterback in football. That's everything that you yep. say about the Green Bay Packers. When we talk about the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings, it's look at what they did in the offseason. Look at who's healthy. Look at who they brought in. I mean, this is a team that, to me, goes to the NFC Championship and then decides we're going to go all in this offseason. Fellas, I think they're number three going into the season in the NFC, and that's a great place to be if everyone stays healthy. They're going to be right back in that mix again if Kirk Cousins can be the quarterback we expect him to be and if the defense holds up again. I don't think it's a 13-3 and team. I I just, the, the offensive line, I know we brought this up last hour, it worries me. I it mean, should, We saw this should. a couple of years ago. They're still going to be a good team. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but... I got the NFC is going to be a dogfight. Yeah. It is ten and six. You said Manny? Ten and six. Ten but, wins. But I think Look that'll at be schedule. Yeah, I mean it's, it's brutal because I, I the the schedule is brutal, and I think what the with the Packers having Aaron Rodgers back, yep. you're probably looking at a split with them. But that's the only reason you believe that is because Aaron Rodgers, right? There's there's if nothing Aaron else Rogers about hurt, them. Then. I think the Vikings run away with the division. You have road games against the Eagles, the Rams, and the Patriots this year. Yep. Very true. Which are That is a, a horrendous schedule, right, for any team. For the first time, though, I feel like if you're the Vikings, it's like, yeah, you're going on the road to play all those teams. But for the first time in a long t- time, those teams are going, oh, my goodness. We Minnesota's coming defense, here. Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota's coming here with this. Dynamic quarterback who, according to Pro Football Focus, has the best receiving core in the league. A defense that could be the best in the league again. They got all the pieces. So for the first time with sort of the intimidation factor, I think you look at your schedule and look at the Minnesota Vikings and go, dog, I got to I gotta play these dudes? Like there's an intimidation factor there now with that team as well because you saw them when they were less complete than they are now, are now go 13, get 13 wins. And now you see them with all the additions they've made? I'd be terrified. I think one key, though, and this is going to sound crazy because it might not seem like a big deal, but I think it is kind of a big deal. You can't, 
if you're Mike Zimmer of the Vikings, you have to be careful about losing games that you shouldn't. Losing games to inferior opponents, hundred like, percent, like the home Detroit loss. The last home, year. and that's yeah. exactly where I was going. Yep. Because if you look at last year, if they don't lose that home game against the Detroit Lions early in the season, they host they're, the they're fourteen and two, and they host the NFC yep. Championship game against the Eagles or whoever, and it might have been a totally different story. Oh, it would have been. It means yeah. a lot. So You're right. that, so you know, and I look at Detroit specifically, Mike Zimmer's had his struggles against Detroit. Like, let's yeah. be honest here. He's done a great job as the coach, but he's kind of, I think he's got like a 500 record against the Lions. And previous Vikings coaches, even when they haven't done well overall, they've always feasted on the Detroit Lions. So you just have to be careful of, play, especially games in your division, Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay, you'd probably split with. But if the Bears aren't going to be that good. They won't be. Sweep them. You beat should. Them, beat them both times. And they did last year, which is fine. And Detroit. If Detroit's going to be kind of a mediocre team, you got to beat them twice. You can't kick away an early game in a season against an inferior opponent because that can come back to bite you. Those are going to be important, right? Not losing those games, those games you got to win. It's also going to be important to me to go to Philly and to go to some of these places and prove that you can hang with the big dogs, right? Like, mm-hmm. that that's how you make a statement early on. And this team in the first six games of the season, like, it ain't like we got to wait, you know, un- until two months. First five games of the season, you're going to know what this team is all about. You're, you're going to know if these offseason additions and these moves uh, are coming together the way we anticipate. Well, you're they opening would. up against an ascending San Francisco team. That's a dangerous team. You know, with Jim, I, look at Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers. Those last Dude. games that he started with, like six or seven games that he started of the season. I mean, those were MVP type numbers he was putting up at the end of the year. Those games, yeah. MVP on the field, MVP apparently in the dating game as well. <laughs> so, I mean, that is a guy that you definitely got to be afraid of if you're the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf back here on the ride. Johnny, I think you got some updates for us. I do. Thanks, Myron. This update sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring with Indeed? You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. Alberto Mejia on the mound tonight for the Minnesota Twins as they face the Cleveland Indians in Game 2 of their series. Carlos Carrasco pitches for Cleveland. He'll face a lineup that features Maurer, Rosario, Polanco, Logan Morrison, Sano, Kepler, Forsyth, Jake Cave, and Mitch Garver. Uh, Twins also reinstated righty Matt McGill from the paternity paternity list today uh, to make room. Matt Belisle's been put on the disabled list. He's got a problem with his right knee. Last week in an interview, veteran guard Richie Incognito said he's been contacted by a couple of teams, including the Minnesota Vikings. Well, this morning, here's what Coach Mike Zimmer had to say about that. You've got to try your freshman. No. <laughs> uh, no interest and totally false. <laughs> I want to slap you sometimes, Reavers. I wish you had told me you had a cut. This afternoon on Twitter, after all of that happened this morning, Incognito directed an obscenity toward Coach Zimmer and then showed a series of messages he traded with Tony Sperano, who's the Vikings offensive line coach until his death a couple weeks ago. Uh, none of those tweets, though, seemed to indicate the Vikings had any interest in, in Incognito, and they were just messages being traded. Were these between tweets friends. or text messages? Uh, texts. Oh, okay. Did I say tweets? You, I'm sorry. You did, but I did. Text, yeah, okay. they were text messages, yeah. And they just looked like two old friends saying, hey, yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. Zim, why didn't you want to sign uh, Richie Incognito? 
no interest and totally false. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought you were going to play I Didn't Want To. I didn't want to. Oh, I don't have that up here anymore. Somebody <laughs> deleted it. <laughs> Links. <laughs> Trying to break their three. You guys know we're on the air, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. On air production Just, meeting. You know. hey, on air uh, production Coach meeting. Zim, uh, it's Chris Reavers, 1500 ESPN. Um, what do you think of this newscast so far? Uh, no interest and totally false. Mm, got <laughs> it. Blame him. Got it. Boy, you're sabotaging it. How about oh, the I show altogether? Uh, no interest and totally false. Uh, how about traffic with Kenny Olson? Uh, no interest and totally false. Got it. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate your time. <laughs> Lings try to break their three-game losing streak tonight there in Chicago to play the Sky. Uh, speaking of the WNBA, one other note today. Uh, Las Vegas will have to forfeit its game against Washington that was canceled. This the, is just absurd. When the Aces players Ridiculous. decided not to play because of concerns about health and safety after 26 hours of travel, the Aces needed almost 26 hours to get from Washington uh, to Washington, excuse me, from Las Vegas after flight delays and cancellations this past Friday. By the time the team got to the hotel, it was 3.45 p.m., about four hours before the scheduled tip-off. The Aces talked things over, spoke by phone with the union on Friday. They called the league to say they did not want to play. <laughs> that, <laughs> like, do people understand how privileged oh, yeah. teams are that have, like, yeah. private jet? I mean, they're flying commercial. I mean, oh, gosh, that just... Pro athletes. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. The league said it worked extensively with both teams to try and find a workable solution. WNBA added it delayed the start of the game until 8 p.m. to give the Aces as much time as possible after their arrival, but uh, the Aces decided They played not to two play. games a week. They couldn't reschedule? <laughs> they're, they're ridiculous. Like, come on. <laughs> the game forfeited by Las Vegas. John, I don't know if you mentioned like this because I was barely paying attention to you earlier, but uh, the start the of the, the, board. the start of the Twins game tonight will be delayed. The tarp is on the field in Cleveland. Why are they tired? <laughs> I think they are. They're tired. They're, can't yeah. play. Tired. Uh, Timberwolves agreed to a two-year deal with free agent Wayne James Nunnally. He's uh, been playing with the European team of Fenerbahce. Last year, he shot 55.5% from three-point range. He's six foot seven. Apparently, Houston, New Orleans, and some European teams were also after Nunnally. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, may have Ric Flair, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today got a visit from Hulk Hogan. Huh. He was at training camp practice. Uh, get this. Was he selling merchandise, or what was he doing? <laughs> Several Bucks players gushed over the chance to meet Hogan, who makes his home in nearby Clearwater, Florida. Uh, Vinnie Curry, defensive end, said, Listen, I'm glad nobody saw how much I was shaking. Uh, Curry wore a WWE <laughs> wristband to practice today. He said, This was my childhood hero. He's the reasons, uh, reason I eat my vegetables and say my prayers. Take your vitamins and say your prayers, brother. Wow. <laughs> they, they, they were taking pictures with him. You know what oh, the big yeah. controversy was on Twitter? He was standing next to Jameis Winston. I saw that. And he yeah. was shorter than him. So a lot of people question whether or not he was re- he's really six seven. Yeah, you know, he was promoted oh. as a six foot seven yeah. wrestler. Winston's about uh, six five, and he looked about an inch or two shorter than Winston. Are you questioning the truth of wrestling? <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Dusty Rose told somebody, "Hit him with that barbecue pit. Hit him with that barbecue pit. <laughs> <laughs> barbecue pit." He was here a couple of uh, years ago, down the hall, sitting That's in right. the studio during a commercial break, and I barged right in. 
skipped all the preliminaries, all the ki- ass kissing and everything, and said Dusty Rhodes was uh, no Hogan was. Oh, Hogan. Wow. Okay. And uh, immediately started talking to him about the time he body slammed Andre the Giant, oh. and he said that move is what killed my career because my back His was back. was really? never the same again. Yeah, because how do you fake? You can't fake that. I, no, I, even if Andre kind of jumps a little bit and helps. You yeah. can't fake that. And uh, he didn't even know if it was going to happen because they had written down everything and uh, showed it to Andre. Because yeah. uh, later on, I watched... The Andre doc? Have you seen it? Yeah, oh, that's what I saw. It is amazing. When, they, uh, when Hogan discusses that match, yes. it's fascinating because uh, he doesn't hold anything back and he tells you everything that happened up to the match and then during the match, and it's what? really fascinating. He had what tears in his eyes as you told that yes. story. Yeah. When, yeah. I, when I did, yeah. uh, when me and... Uh, superstar were doing the podcast. He had uh, Ken Patera on once, oh, cool. and, and Ken was talking, t- just telling all these stories about Andre the Giant drinking yeah. hundred some beers right. or whatever, and he'd just go out and do a show and right. all that stuff. He's unbelievable. Would it help my career if I body slammed you off this board? <laughs> you might break your back. <laughs> wow. I'd hate to do that to you, Reavers. <laughs> we'll be back after this. Myron, this is a special uh, special request by John Height. Okay. He wanted to hear Cruise by the Florida Georgia Line. Not exactly sure why. I didn't know he was a country music fan. Okay. I can roll with it. Yeah. Why, why do people not like the Florida Florida Georgia Line, by you the know, way? You know, I personally don't. Like people hate them. Well, it's not even that. It's not even them. I'm really anti-bro country. Is that what it is? I think like, that, that's I mean, what it is for me personally. People have really strong opinions about Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. Like, if you just go to, like, some random spot and say, hey, what do you think about Florida? Like, you're going to start a fight, an argument over them. I like uh, uh, Eric Church. I, I'm a fan. I uh, saw yeah. him saw him in concert. He was pretty good. But the rest of it, it's just, okay, it's not is country. Is it the pop? Is it the it's pop, It's not country bro? music. That's what it is. Was it, when, was it when they decided to tour with Nelly? I mean, that oh. probably what didn't help, right? Oh, God. How do you bring Nelly out to a Florida Georgia line? Well, they had a song together, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, how weird is that? Him look? and uh, Tim McGraw, right? Listen, Nelly will, t- I'll give him credit. Nelly will tour with anybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he was doing, like, boat cruises with uh, the Backstreet Boys. Uh, and not NSYNC. Backstreet Boys and uh, New Kids on the Block. Well, they were, weren't they here at Target? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were here. They were yeah. here and, and Nelly was doing a tour with them. He's toured with Florida Georgia Line. I mean, I don't care what genre of music. Like, Nelly will do a tour with you. Like, all you got to do is call him. So, <laughs> quick story on that concert when it was here at Target Field. Okay. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, works for a nightclub downtown. Okay. And they had paid, this place had paid Nelly to come to the nightclub Uh-oh. after his concert. Hey, Nelly's going to be here. They sold tickets to this event. Yeah. They show up and... You know, they're because that's what that's what these places do. Yeah, they got to yeah. find promotion to get people to come in, in, in into the bar. He showed up about an hour late. Okay, he was there for about fifteen minutes, and then he left. Isn't that the worst? And people paid. You know, people were paying like fifty to a hundred bucks at the door just to get in. And he got his money. Yeah, like isn't that the worst oh, that man. you can be a celebrity and make <laughs> that kind of money and just come in and and leave? Like I, I hate that. If you're coming in to perform or you're coming in to show up, do it. Your, your whole career is based on the fans and the following. And a good a good friend of mine works down in St. He does radio down in St. Louis. No, yeah. you don't say a bad word about Nelly in St. Louis. Where he's mm-hmm. oh, where he's no, from. no, 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 oh, better no. Because oh, because for two reasons. Number one, it's you know he's he's, he's the son of of St. Louis, but 
Also, apparently, he does a ton of charitable work down oh, he's, there. Yeah, yeah, and and you just don't mess with him in that city. Nelly's so big that he helped a dude named Murphy Lee yeah. become a millionaire. Yeah, like 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 remember all the songs that came out of Nelly and his crew? And like, if you were with Nelly, you made millions. St. Lunatics. But I, I hate to hear the stories of, of artists who show up and don't fulfill their duties. That's why I love the old school guys. I went to a parliament show. George Clinton. Come on. P-Funk. I kid you not. I'll, t- I'll tell the story to everybody who asks me, what's your best concert? What's the best concert you've ever been to? And I've seen a lot of shows. Like, I'm a music hit. Sure. Parliament played for four hours. What? There was no opening act. There was there was like nothing. It Like, you got there at like 8 o'clock. Parliament was on stage till midnight. Even when their songs stopped, you still had like Bootsy and those guys playing the bass line or George Clinton. I mean, like they played four hours. Now, there were 78 people on the stage, you know, so you're worried it's (laughs) going to collapse. Dude, and this is like weird dudes in diapers and like all types of stuff where you're like, where was this? This was in Milwaukee at Eagles Ballroom. Okay. Four hours, people. Wow. Start to finish. Like, talk about getting your money's worth. That, for me, is like, if I'm going to pay money for an artist, like, who, who's coming this week? Is it Beyonce and Jay-Z are coming? Oh, is that this weekend? Yeah, is that Wednesday? Is. I think that's I, Wednesday. Like, everyone's going to go to that yeah. show, and that's cool. Like, I'm sure it'll be a cool show. I always wonder with acts like that, are they going to give you everything? Or do they look at Minneapolis as sort of a, all right, you know, we'll kind of mail it in. We'll give a good performance, but... You know, well, we're not, more worried about the biggest places that we're going to go. And not to mention, I've I've heard nothing but horrible things about the acoustics at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yes, there have been some problems that they haven't quite fixed, it sounds like. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure if Beyonce and Jay-Z are going to try to get to, get it good or they'll complain about it. But I wonder if that's going to be a great show. Are they going to really give you everything? Because I'm telling you, Parliament set the standard for me. <laughs> Played four hours, and I was like, you know what? This is great. I saw James Brown before he died. James Brown was like 70, played two and a half hours, all of the hits. I watched B.B. King do a three-hour show. Like, all these old-school artists give you your money's worth. It's a lot of these newer artists who are sort of like, ah, you know, whatever. I went to an Outcast concert, 30 minutes. They came on the stage, didn't like the vibe, they left. You know who gave, you know who gave me my money's worth who? when I went to see him? Kendrick Lamar. I, now I've heard that. I've when heard he he's done. At, he was at Excel's Energy Center uh, two, no, last, yeah, it was last year, right around this time last year. I, and he he performed for about two hours. I've heard he get, I heard, you know what I like about Kendrick? He's one of those guys who I think still appreciates the performance yes. element, right? Yes. He still, he he still appreciates the live show. show. Yes. A lot of guys, a lot of artists. It was a production. It was I, not just a hip hop show. But I think a lot of artists now, the the live show is lost. Like, yeah. They don't care as much about the live show. And from what I've heard, back to Florida Georgia Line, they they put on a good show. From what I've been told, friends of mine who like them have said they put on a pretty cool show. I mean, they obviously play to huge crowds, mm-hmm. but it's just sort of, I think, the the vibe of what they represent is is the knock against them you know and i don't because of because of my current lifestyle with two young kids i I don't attend concerts as frequently as yeah me i don't see as many but i'm wondering because of so many things being easily accessible whether it's you can watch a live concert online for free now 
I'm wondering, is there still the giant demand for going to shows? I mean, obviously, Beyonce will sell a ton of tickets for tomorrow's show. Yeah. We had, uh, what was the show a couple of weeks ago at, Tar- at Target Field? I mean, those those shows will still always do well. Drake is coming here, too, and he's probably going to He's coming this weekend. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's going to pack the X. You make a likely. great point. Because if you didn't have music videos and things like that, if you didn't have such access that they have today, yeah. maybe the live show would be important. Back in the day, because you didn't know who artists were, James Brown played a tour of Little Richard, and people didn't know it was James Brown and not Little Richard. Little Richard got signed to the big time, couldn't make up half his tour dates, so he called in James Brown and said, hey, go play as as Little Richard. Nobody knew the difference because no one had ever seen James Brown or Little Richard, right? It was a different era. But it's amazing that the live show was that important. At one point on the Tammy show in the 60s, you had the Stones, you had James Brown, and I believe the Beatles played that show as well. Wow. I mean, and that was just like the headliners. I want to go back to that, where I can pay 40, 50 bucks, <laughs> yeah. and I get two or three headlining acts, mm-hmm. and they give me their full heart on stage. We'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf back uh, on the ride. I'll be here all week. Nice choice, Reavers. Thank yeah, you. Really good. Thank Living you. in America, man. James Brown yeah. was the real deal, man. I love James Brown. Again, like if you like explore some of these guys in these documentaries, there's a great James Brown documentary uh, that's airing on. I don't know if it's on Netflix, but it's out there. Uh, so I, I just love documentaries. I love to learn about these artists. Are you guys watching Last Chance You at all? I watched the first season. Me too. Okay. I haven't Ro- seen Royce, that. Royce got me hooked yeah. on it in the, oh, man. on the first season. It was great. So go to the second season and then go to the third season after that. I, I've, I've gotten through the third season. And it, it it just fires me up, you know, because football has a lot of things going against it right now. And I get it. I mean, the CTE and, you know, wanting to change the game. Is it too violent? Are we putting people in vulnerable positions? I get all that, but last chance you is a reminder of how much football can change people's lives in ways that few sports can. I we mean, saw a lot of those guys talk about that very thing at the Hall of Fame speech. Hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I I wasn't a disadvantaged kid. Came up in a good home, uh, but I got to Mankato playing football. I mean, that that's how I ended up in college. I didn't play to college until April of my senior year. And it was on a, a scholarship offer from Minnesota State Mankato. That's how I got here. That's how my journey started. Mm-hmm. And, and like it's such an important thing. And you see these guys on Last Chance U who are taking football and trying to help them, trying to use it to help them move forward. And for some of these guys, that's the only way they're getting a degree. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's unfortunate to say that, but for some of these guys, they have zero interest in a degree, zero interest in school, and not just at that level, at all levels of football unless football was a part of it. And the idea that you can take that passion and get something out of it like a degree, uh, it's, why, it's why I love football. I know there are a lot of reasons to hate football, and everybody's hating on football. I still get goosebumps when I see you know, young men out there pushing for their dreams and their goals on that field, you know, trying to win different competitions. One of my favorite things about the fall is when I drive home, when I leave this radio station and drive home, I drive by three different football fields. Oh, and on Friday nights, it's just, it's cool. The, it's same thing. You just, you get that, the, the, the smell in the air, the fall of football. It's just, it's yeah. awesome. I love it. Yeah. I do PA announcing for uh, Hastings high school football during the, during the season. And, you know, 
Todd Field in Hastings is like right in the yep. middle of oh, town. Oh yeah, and that's a beautiful you, thing. When you, when you get into town and you can see like the lights, especially later in the year when it's darker. And yeah, it's, it's about six thirty and the sun's all the way down, and you can see the lights from a distance. It's, Friday night lights, baby, it's fantastic. I, yep. I get goosebumps. I mean, I drive by those fields. I'm in Woodbury. Drive by East Ridge, drive by Woodbury High School. It, you get goosebumps because yeah. you see the energy around it and the opportunities of these young men fighting for positions. And you never know. They might get a chance to play at the next level in college and maybe go beyond that. And again, football has a lot of things that it has to fix, but the opportunity is available. And that's what Last Chance you, especially this season, is just showcasing that, you know, it's the only way some of these guys are going to find their way. I broke my job playing football in Mankato. I still don't have like complete feeling in my face as a result of it. If you mm. told me I could be 18 years old and go back and play at Mankato and get back on that field that you same day, I'd do again. it all over yep. again. No questions asked. That's the beauty of football. I still love it and I'll love it to the day I die. See you tomorrow.